Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Chasing After the Wind series, where Dr. Jones teaches through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, and we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. Now let's join him for today's message. How many of you all have either been watching the news or seen something on TV that was the dumbest, most foolish thing you ever seen? Uh, pretty much every day. You know, if you woke up this morning, you probably saw something that was foolish and just ridiculous. Uh, the other day I was watching the news and there was a guy who was arrested because he called himself in for the reward. You might have missed that. All right. There was a reward offered for his arrest because he committed a crime. He turned himself in to receive the reward. And I'm thinking like, okay, all right, yeah. It's dumb. And the reason we say it because it doesn't even make sense. And yet we see people do things like this over and over and over. And we see these type of actions and these type of attitudes called throughout this whole book of Ecclesiastes we're walking through is folly. It's, it's foolishness. You know, when, when you see over and over, when it talks about the fool, it's not so much talking about incompetence or uh, not being intelligent. We see so-called intelligent people do foolish things all the time. We see people with all kinds of degrees do foolish things all the time. And the scripture calls it folly is because at its bare minimum, it's making these types of decisions that go against God's revealed truth. And when you go against God's revealed truth, you think that the consequences that God spoke won't happen, and yet they, they happen time and time again. See, today's title is... The foolishness of folly. Say foolishness of folly. We call it foolishness of folly because engaging in what the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about as folly is foolish. And it, it catches up to you time and time again. It makes me think about something an old coach used to say to us. when He would say, it doesn't catch up to you till it catches up to you. It's like you can get away with it for so long. But when you continue to live in what he calls folly, you get this result. He starts off on here and he's actually connecting to what was said in the previous chapter, in chapter 9, those last few verses when he says, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. Dead flies make a perfumes, oil ferment, and stink, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. He connects those two chapters. Last week we were in chapter 9, and we were looking at what chapter 9 was teaching. Today we're talking about this foolishness of folly because it unpacks folly even more. He's spoken about the advantages of wisdom. Living in wisdom, meaning not just having knowledge, but knowledge applied, meaning understand God's truth and then walking in it. Practically applying God's word. We looked at how walking in wisdom, according to the word of God, is having received God's word, 
Holy Spirit given understanding of God's word and then Holy Spirit empowerment to walk out God's word even when the world has other stuff to say. That's wisdom. But he talks about don't idolize that too because God is sovereign. Matter of fact, you can walk in wisdom and something bad still could happen. So don't, don't try to be all about what you can accomplish because the rain falls on the just and unjust. We see the bad things happen. You could be wise and still suffer harm and the fool could get a promotion. Could live longer, as we talked about in chapter 9. But here, he starts off and he's connecting how he ended because while it is better for wisdom, I want you to notice when he talks about folly's nature. These first few verses in chapter 10, he talks about folly's nature. And you think about how, how folly's nature just ruins stuff. The wise person's heart goes to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. What he's stating is, and, and, and don't, please don't read this as uh, American political right and left. That's not what he's talking about right here. What he's talking about, biblically, right was the place of strength, esteem, victory. Left, you, you're doing the wrong thing. He's speaking of from the heart, wisdom, folly. That's why he says the fool can't help but show himself a fool. Well, what he's dealing with, it's the issue of the heart. When he goes by the way, when it goes by the road, it's just being what it is. That's why when we're talking about this is not an intellectual issue, this is a moral issue. Folly and foolishness creeps out of our heart that is not surrendered to the Lord. And this folly is that which walks away from who God is and what God is calling you to be and what, who God is calling you to be and what God is calling you to do. So you've got to understand the nature of this thing as we understand as the, the text unfolds about even how it displays itself. This type of thing flows from a heart that is not surrendered to the Lord. And that's where folly shows itself he walks through this in these first few verses and he's saying like look when you look at what's going on here he says it it, it it flows from the heart and and it's displayed in lifestyles that go not god's direction but but leftward it's going out there in left field and and it displays itself and it's going to make every opportunity to show and put on display foolishness but then he says this, in the midst of all of that, he says, even knowing that, even knowing that, uh, understand that when it comes to how things operate in this sinful, fallen world, foolishness, while it will end up getting properly handled and judgment to come at the coming of our Lord, it can still take some advancing even in this sinful fallen world. It says that, like matter of fact, even foolishness can, can get exalted. It can get promoted. It can, get, it, it can rise up. He says, uh, the king may appoint it. What was it? It, it, it? it goes through and it talks about uh, if a ruler anger rises, speaks to the, to, the, to, to the wise person in verse four. If a ruler's anger, it goes to how this ruler. Ruler anger rises against you. Don't leave your post for calmness, puts great offenses to rest. So he's speaking to a wise response. A leader gets, gets, gets upset. Don't leave. Don't walk away. Don't quit your job. You know, you got a boss acting a fool. Don't leave. Walk the Lord. Stay calm. 
It can overcome. But he says, but this is a great evil. A fool appointed to great heights. So speaking about a ruler, speaking about a king, speaking about somebody that's exercising authority. Promotion. I've seen slaves on horses. Now, when he's using this language here, remember, this is wisdom literature. He speaks about fool appointed to great heights, rich man. It's speaking more so towards character. So it's not necessarily talking about earthly riches. The language used here about the contrast with princes and slaves, fools, rich. What it's dealing with is these contrasts, meaning the one deserving not being placed where they should, the one who's undeserved being placed where they, where they shouldn't be. And notice he says, I, I, I see this is a great evil. If you remember throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, he makes all these different observations of how stuff is just like, man, this, is, like this, life, we, this life that we live in this sinful, fallen world, some stuff just ain't right. And bad things happen. He says the fool could be promoted and be in charge. And you're sitting there like, how'd that happen? How in the world? He said, don't be surprised. Notice he does say it's a great evil because it's because people suffer. But what he continues to say, people, uh, stay calm. Still walk in wisdom. Trust God. Over and over and over in this book, we're reminded that God is sovereign. He's in control. So if it don't go the way we think it should, trust God. See, the nature of folly is, is, is foolishness. And yet, even when we see things go ways we think it shouldn't go, we're reminded again to trust God. And, and one of the things that's interesting about this chapter as we read through, it can seem like that there are like just these uh, sayings, like almost like the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, you know, one verse may not be related to the next verse. You know, it's, just, it's, a, it's, it's wisdom literature, so it's, it's principles and sayings. But what's interesting about this passage, while at first glance it may seem like that, there are connections within this chapter because he makes this transition from us understanding folly's nature and it being an issue of the heart and making decisions that are totally contrary to God's revealed truth to now folly's actions, meaning we know it when we see it. Matter of fact, he says in, in verses eight and nine, there's this contrast. He goes from, this, from, from, from folly and wisdom, but he says, he says, the one who digs a pit may fall in and the one who breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Like, um, basically, it's, 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 a, it's a poetic way of saying uh, when people plot and do bad stuff, it can turn around and happen to them. You know, like, you know, it, it, it backfire. Evil plans, they can backfire. So be careful. Watch what you're planning. Watch what you're doing. You know, you're trying to get back. You may be trying to get back at somebody, you know, at your job and it fire back on you. Now you're in trouble. He says, so, so, so be very careful because that's, that's, that's a fool's way of going about it. But then uh, verse 9 can be a little problematic. It is to me. Because it says like, even in, in, in good plans, you still get hurt. Well, we keep being reminded that while wisdom is preferable, don't think just based off of your decision, everything going to go exactly like you want. We got to still trust God. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series, Time for Your Checkup with your donation to the ministry. 
This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches us to examine and engage the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To give, go to daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L-Jones.org and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. But then there's another transition that goes to to description of what we would call foolish leadership. He's speaking towards the king and, you know, we we can think of our government leaders, but we can wrap in and make this applicable to, to any leader, any kind of leader. You know, there's, there's an old saying that speaks about the blind leading the blind. You know, it's an old saying because Jesus used it. That's, something that's, that's from Jesus. Jesus saying they're they blind leading blind. Meaning, if, if I can't see, I don't need to follow the person who also can't see. But yet, it happens all the time. He speaks about foolish leadership and what foolish leaders do, but also foolish leadership brings consequences. It brings consequences. It brings consequences. You know, so we have to be very careful of the leadership that we follow, but then also there is a challenge at the end of this chapter you may have picked up on how we ought to respond to even foolish leadership, which can be hard, and we're going to see a whole lot of ways we don't act like people following the Lord and how we respond versus how the Lord tells us to respond. But he, he speaks about this, this foolish leadership and I, I want you to, to, to really grasp starting in verse 16 where he makes this statement. He says, woe to you land when your king is a youth and your princes feast in the morning. Now pause right there because it's not necessarily just talking about age right here. It's dealing with the issue of maturity. Dealing with the issue of maturity. And he paints this picture of immaturity and he says woe to you and it's his contrast blessed are you so verse 16 woe to you if you got an immature king and your princess feast in the morning is that they, they they not they not ready uh blessed are you land when your king is a son of nobles and your princess feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness he says look remember before there's, there's a time and place for everything he's saying that uh the land suffers when leadership is immature and makes bad decisions when they don't understand the times and when they take things for granted, they part of living it up. It's all about self-indulgence and they're not looking after the people. Woe to the land because people suffer. He's doing foolish leadership. Foolish leadership makes immature decisions and it's about them and their self-benefit, not of others. And they don't understand how they need to be strengthened rather than living a life of self-indulgence because that comes at a, at a price. He goes, woe to you land, but blessed are you land. Which one? Which one is, is, is blessed? He's dealing with this contrast of, of foolish leadership versus wise leadership. Foolish leadership, verse 18, because of laziness, the roof caves in, and because of ne- negligent hands, the house leaks. I ain't going to lie. I was a little convicted by this personally. I'm sitting there like, I even thought about it. Am I keeping up with my house like I need to be? Made me think about that. We're dealing with the issue of just laziness, slackness, not being diligent. Then it's still in contrast with leadership. And then saying when leaders are slack, when they lazy, things fall apart. When leadership is lazy and they sluggish, leaks is problems. I remember my old man used to say, my daddy used to say, uh, an ounce 
of prevention is better than a pound of cure. You know, and he was like, hey, get out in front of stuff. You know, good leadership foresees things. You know, it's looking steps ahead. It's not just reactionary. Oh, things are bad. How do we fix it? But it's looking forward, getting out ahead of things. Foolish leadership doesn't do that. It's slack. It's lazy. And people suffer. I say this because we live in, in, in times where we have those we follow and you, you may be a leader yourself. What kind of leader are you? What kind of leader do you affirm? You talking about the foolishness of folly, meaning there are consequences. He's saying that uh, uh, Ephesians prepare for laughter and wine. It, it, um, uh, scholars debate, like, wait, what is this dealing with? Uh, uh, many of them think this dealing with the attitude of the one uh, that goes back to, to the laziness, where they uh, talking about um, because of slackness, the roof caves in, because of the hands, the attitude, the feast prepared for laughter and wine for everything, and, and money is the answer for everything. Now, we do know in the scripture, in Ecclesiastes, he talks about the blessing of wealth, the blessing of money, and how God gives that to who he pleases for his purposes, and he wants the glory for it. So it's not that uh, 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 money is always spoken of as evil love, as we see even in New Testament scripture. It's the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money itself is not a problem. But what he's talking about here is likely the attitude where it's about living up, self-indulgence, money you know, t- takes care of everything, and you're missing the point of God's hand, God's sovereignty, following and trusting God's way and God's will according to God's word. So we got to be careful when we're talking about wisdom and folly, when we're talking about leaders who... Foolish and leaders who are wise. And the litmus test constantly is, thus says the Lord. And trust in him and his plan and his way. Even when it doesn't go exactly how you want it to go. And I I tell you, this is the part that'll get you. This is the part that'll get you. Verse 20. In that last one, he says, do not curse the king, even in your thoughts. And do not curse a rich person even in your bedroom, for a bird of the sky may carry the message, and a weaned creature may report the matter. You know, you know how people come to you and they're like, hey, a little birdie told me something. Hey, little birdie. Birds fly, boy. They, they, they get around. You know, sometimes we don't say birds. Sometimes we just say they. You know, well, they, they said, you know, I heard, you know. <laughs> Notice the context here is, is dealing with uh, how this, this is Kowalet, he's writing as a sage he's, he's writing primarily to men and he's speaking to the people of God and he's telling the people of God in context of foolish kings in context of foolishness don't curse that leader like hold up you may be sitting here like they ain't have Facebook back then though I can say what I want to say this is America I can make fun. I can poke. I can create all kind of gifts and memes and draw stuff on their face. And, and, and I can even post quotes that they ain't even really say. But it go with what they are. And I can go to church on Sunday and keep doing it. See, one of my issues with the attitude of how we treat leaders and stuff is not so much how the world responds. It's about how those that profess to be followers of Christ respond. We get on there, and if I was to read the post, I wouldn't know you ever knew Jesus. 
I'm sitting there like, yo, what are you talking about? Now, I'm tripping on, he says, don't even curse them in your thoughts. Like, hold on, hold up, hold on now, hold up. Like, I got I to gotta, I gotta monitor my thoughts now. You know, like, is it that serious? Is it really that serious? But he's dealing with an attitude. And we see this attitude carried over into the New Testament. We see the Apostle Paul and we see the Apostle Peter. Now, that wasn't enough. Jesus even talked about honoring the authorities. Like, all of them, hold on. Jesus said, you know, honor and respect and, and obey your authorities. And, and Paul say honor, respect, and obey your authorities. And, and Paul, like, all of them say that? Like, for real? They even tell us, pray for them. Hold on, I got to pray for them? But they're not the party I like. He be sitting there like, hold on, hold on, hold on. If, 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 if. If, if I was a Democrat, I'm supposed to pray for the Republican? Or if, if I'm a Republican, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to pray for the Democrat? Hold on, that ain't Christian. That's how people think. That's how people operate. He says, don't curse them even in your thoughts. And don't even speak your love them. <laughs> what drew me out, he says, oh, a bird might take your words. You know, you know all of us at some point. Now, my young people, it may not have caught you yet. It may. But all of us at some point have said something about somebody that it ended up making their way to them. And we had to stand there and try to give an explanation. And you were sitting there like, I ain't really want them to know that. I didn't want them to hear that. I ain't really mean it like that. You know what he's saying? Be careful of your words. Your words, are, your, your words do damage. Be very careful of your speech. Be very careful. But ultimately, what he's calling you is check your heart. Because he goes to your thoughts, what you're holding on to the inner person. He says, look, don't be, don't be cursing them even in your thoughts. So if you feel that rising up, you, you need to go to prayer. Start talking to the Lord. And start thinking how you can live out the good. You know what's interesting about that? Is we, we see this in Ecclesiastes. We see this in the New Testament. What's interesting is, is how... When it came to Jesus in the Gospels and when it comes to uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, especially in Romans 13 and, and Peter in 1 Peter 2, when it speaks about our relationship to the governing authorities, it's like, it's like we, we, we don't like bug back. It says that the way we respond is like show them Jesus. Like, like, like live out goodness. Live out Jesus. It's like even in how we fight back, even in regard to evil, is very different than how the world fights back. We continually charge, don't respond like the way, even in the midst of foolishness and foolish leadership, we're called as the people of God to remain the people of God, respond like the people of God. Uh, a fool is a fool who's going to display itself as a fool because it's, it's a heart issue. What's, what's on the inside, it's going it's to come out. Whatever you're filling yourself with on the inside, it's going to come out. Whatever it is. So, so what we need to be very careful of is what are we filling ourselves with? Now, we know by faith in Jesus Christ, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit forever and ever and ever. That is according to God's promise of the new covenant. So we have the indwelling Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus alone. We don't earn it or deserve it. Totally by his sacrifice. Death, burial, resurrection. By faith in him, we have this indwelling Holy Spirit. And he calls us to continue to grow in the knowledge of his will. Do we be built up? It's something that's continually, what are we feeding ourselves with? 
Because if you're feeding yourself with junk, junk going to come out your mouth. If you're feeding yourself with God's word, he's going to be coming out. If you're filling yourself with Christ's likeness, he's going to be coming out. What are you filling yourself up with? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Because whatever you're filling yourself, you can be like that sponge. And you can be sitting there like, man, it's going to take you even longer to squeeze all that mess out. The foolishness of folly is consequences. But continue to sow. Continue to fill yourself with God's will, his, his word, his way, with Christ-likeness, with godliness, with righteousness, so that it can overflow. And no matter what happens in life, you know whose hand you're in. You know who's got you. Yeah, it may not go the way you wanted it. That's fine. God's got you. Yeah, the fool might have got the promotion and the job. That's fine. I said something to some youth the other day. I said, if God is all-knowing and he's good, that means he knows and he knows what's best. So if you ask for something and God said no, guess what? That's the best answer. And that's for your blessing. And you know what? If you'd have got that yes, you'd have found out you ain't really want it. Why? Because God knows best. He knows so trust him, submit to him, and surrender to him, and let him be God, and we just rest in him. Amen? Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the current series, Chasing After the Wind, 14 messages that walk you through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, where we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life he provides. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to partner with us today. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.